Now hear the word of the Lord. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Please be seated. pray together. Lord, we ask as we come now to your word that not physically as these disciples experienced, but still truly, spiritually, that you would reveal yourself to us. Would you open our minds to receive truth? Would you soften our hearts to receive love? Lord, we would see Jesus, and we ask this in his name. Amen. Well, friends, we're looking at John chapter 21, and from verses 1 to 14, so keep your Bibles open, or you'll find the passage also in the worship folder uh, that you handed as you came in 
this, this morning. John chapter 21 and verses 1 to 14. This is actually the third in a four-part series on ways uh, to find uh, life. Uh, we uh, looked at the first one on Good Friday as we considered the death of uh, Christ on the cross for our sins. And uh, the second was on Easter Sunday as we looked at the resurrection. And uh, now we come to the third uh, where we're looking at the community of the church. Next week will be the last one when we look at service. So this weekend, the community of the church. Now, community is uh, quite a buzzword. People like to invest in community these days. Just a few examples of that. If you're watching The Voice on TV, they will give you an opportunity to invest in the community by texting your vote uh, to uh, whoever you think has the best voice. I I cannot say I've ever done it, but I'm told you can. And uh, so there's this sense in television that because we're an internet age and we like to participate that uh, the producers of television shows want us to give an opportunity to be involved. Uh, children's TV shows, they're often asked questions of the children, you know, and get them to be involved that way. We love to participate. Hashtag whatever the thing is, and then you can join in the conversation. We are an age that relishes community. You see this all over the place, whether that's radical community or a comfortable community. We like the idea of community. But what about the community of the church? Why invest in the community of the church? Well, it all depends, I think, what you mean by church. And it seemed to me as I was praying about how to teach this passage for us this weekend that I would need to begin by defining what We mean by church. The reality is that uh, some of you would have had experiences of church that have been hurtful. And you might uh, naturally enough be a little hesitant about investing relationally, emotionally um, in a community of the church. So what do we mean by church? And why should you invest in the community of the church? I think it depends what you mean by church. So uh, there are true churches... And then there are false churches. But even within the category of true churches, there are churches that are healthy and there are churches that are less healthy. It's important to have those categories in your mind. Is the true church, false church? Is this a healthy church or a less healthy church? See, here are some kinds of churches. Pastorally, I don't think you should invest in. I don't think you should invest in the kind of church that says to you that the only way to connect to God is through our version of the sacraments. Now, obviously, there we practice sacraments here at College Church, the ordinances, and equally, obviously, there's a range of legitimate viewpoints within the Christian community, um, sort of around the theology of the sacraments and ordinances. Um, But there are some churches that will want to say the only way to connect to God is through our sacraments and therefore you must be a member of this church in order to be saved. Um, 
that idea really generated in the first couple of centuries after Jesus in the early history of the church. It's a control thing, isn't it? I don't think you should invest your life in a church that says it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. Well, in a sense, if a church is saying that, I'm not, I don't really think it is a church at all. Because churches must say, as Jesus claims, that he is the only way to God. And so I don't think you should invest your life in a church that says it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. I don't think you should invest uh, your life in a church that says uh, give us your money and then you will get rich. And there actually are churches like that out there today. Of course, it's just one giant Ponzi scheme or pyramid scheme. If you are observant, you will notice the people at the top of the pyramid tend to be very wealthy, and those further down tend to be rather less wealthy. Should be a little bit of a hint. And of course, that kind of idea really is uh, idolatry of materialism. Well, you say, what kind of church should I invest in? Uh, Should it just be a traditional church? Well, as long as the tradition is good. Uh, College Church has many great traditions, and so that can be a useful handle. But the reality is there are also bad traditions out there. And so if you say, well, traditional church, again, I want to know what kind of tradition it is. There are good traditions and there are bad traditions. Now, the kind of church I think you should invest your life in is is a true church, And a true church is one that preaches the gospel. Now that doesn't make it a perfect church. All churches um, uh, have mistakes, they they make errors. A college church certainly does make mistakes. We are not a perfect church. If you find a perfect church, don't join it. You will only spoil it. I do think, by and large, College Church is a healthy church. We do preach the gospel, we teach the Bible, we disciple each other, we have evangelists, um, and we are centered on Christ and his glory. We are not a perfect church. You might say, well, come on, Pastor, how about uh, us at College Church? How could we grow to be more healthy? Well, it actually doesn't just rely on the elder council or the pastoral staff. Really, for us as a church to become more healthy, it comes down to uh, your life and my life. For us as a community to grow in health means for us individually to grow in health spiritually. Uh, So we individually, you and I, um, to get more healthy as a church, each of us will need to rejoice in Christ more. Uh, Each of us will need to read the Bible more regularly. Each of us will need to submit to one another out of reverence uh, for for Christ and do that with uh, more humility. 
Each of us will need to be more bold to take risks for Jesus, to share the gospel with our neighbors and our friends. So why invest in the community of the church? That's the question that's before us this morning. And I want to begin by saying it depends what you mean by church. If you mean a biblical church, then I want to say invest in it. But why? Well, John here gives us two reasons in the passage we're looking at this morning. You meet Jesus, you catch fish. So first, you meet Jesus. John begins his story here in chapter 21 by telling us that Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples in the following way, verse 1. And then I want you to notice at the end of the passage, he concludes in verse 14 by saying, This was now the third time he had revealed himself to his disciples. Now, I want you to see that because this is the author of this passage's way of saying to us, this is my main point. He's repeating himself at the beginning and the end to say, what I am teaching you this morning is how Jesus reveals himself. And you'll notice right in the middle of the passage, to emphasize this, verse 7, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, a a disciple who's particularly gifted, it seems, a spiritual insight, you can tell that from uh, the rest of his his, uh, writings, John says, it is the Lord. So he realizes that this Jesus is the Lord. And then Peter, who is the muscular, go-getting, first-over-the-trenches kind of guy, Peter jumps up and he swims for about 100 yards. Now, this seems to me to be a very long way to swim. And so you have here first uh, in the story community really without Jesus. So the disciples have gone back to Galilee, as Jesus told them to do, to wait for him. Perhaps Peter has uh, gone back to his profession his fishing business, and uh, they are wandering, they're meandering, nothing much is happening. So this is community that is not really focused on Jesus or on his word, and now though they meet Jesus around the fire. It's a cookout barbecue, and their community is transformed. This is real church. You may remember in John's gospel, Jesus had thrown the money changers out of the temple earlier in the story. That was a community that needed to be, uh, that needed to be judged. The disciples are a true church, but at this point, they're not really focused on Christ and his word. They're a little aimless, a little bit lost. But then Jesus comes along and they're transformed. It's the Lord. They see him. They meet Jesus. So here's uh, then the wrong question to ask about church. What can I get out of it? That's the consumer question, isn't it? What can I get out of it? If you ask that question, actually, ironically, you will miss out of community. You will hop from church to church looking for a better buzz, or a better program, or whatever. But that's not community. Church is a a team sport. 
So this here, this isn't sort of pathetic uh, kind of kumbaya holding hands around the fire community. I know Jesus in the translation here puts it, it says, uh, he says, children, but that's probably a bit like someone saying today, hey guys, or as the Aussies say, you know, hey blokes, or uh, the Irish, uh, hey boys. This is a team sport. They're fishing. I love the detail of Peter swimming, and then there's so much fish, they cannot drag it all to the shore, and then Peter hops in to help them with this team sport. And with Peter, then they can drag the fish. Now, Peter's been working out a lot. He's hugely strong. He's a man's man. When I was uh, preaching at the South Wheaton campus, Pastor Josh was there, and I, I joked that he's a bit like Pastor Josh Stringer with enormous muscles. I mean, that, uh, he's been working out a lot. So the question here that has been raised is not, what can I get out of it? You know, it's not like you're going to target, or should I say target, or a Whole Foods, or should I say Whole Paycheck. Um, and, you know, you get, to the, you get to the grocery store, right, and there are options, right? So there's granola with cherries, or there's the granola with apple chunks. You know, do I want cherries? Or maybe I don't want apple chunks this week. They're kind of a little hard. They almost broke my teeth last week, you know. Now, this is not about what you can get. That's not the question to ask. If you ask that question, you will miss out. The question you need to ask is, who can you meet? That's the disciple question. Who can I meet? You come to church and uh, you don't just come to learn things. Obviously, I'm a teacher, so I want you to learn. But you don't just come to learn things, you come to meet someone. And it isn't, it isn't just each other, as important as that is in community. The community of the church is centered around an encounter with Jesus that then enables us to encounter each other. That's what church is about. See, church is this moment, this God-designed opportunity to have uh, a cookout barbecue together in worship around the risen Christ. Now, this is not Jesus the homeboy. This is the Lord of all glory. The Lord that, at a, at, a, at a barbecue just a few days before, they were disowning and rejecting Jesus when Peter denied Jesus before Jesus was crucified. But now Jesus welcomes them back. And he breaks bread with them. It's really a kind of, it's a kind of communion service, really. And they don't say anything because now they, they realize it is Jesus sitting around a fire with them. So this is not trite, Jesus is my homeboy, you know, he'll just go with the flow with whatever I do. Oh, this is the judge of all the earth. Around whom, because he died for my sins, if I repent and believe, I can be welcomed into authentic, Christ-centered Community. Would you then come to Christ and meet him this morning? You can right now. Repent of your rejection of him around that fire when you disowned him, when 
They said, are you one of those people who, are you one of those Christians? Are you one of those people who goes to college church and takes God seriously? (laughs) Oh, no, I'm not one of them. But now if you run to Jesus and say, it's the Lord, well, then you meet him. And isn't that worth investing your life in? Not because of what you can get, but because of who you can meet. So you meet Jesus. But then also in the community of the church, as a result, you catch fish. Now, this, of course, is a well-known story in Christian subculture. You know, you put your net down on the other side and suddenly your ministry is filled to bursting with all the fish you've caught. What actually is this teaching about effective ministry? Well, really, it's quite practical. And I want to show you that by picking out some of the details and the story that are intended to reveal that to us. There are some delightful details here. One of them is uh, that uh, they use actually in the original three different words for fish. Now, I don't know about you, but I just have one word for fish, and that's fish. But these are fishermen, and they are in their element. These are blokes, guys in a team sport, and they know everything about fish. And they count the fish. They want to make sure that no one in the future thinks it's a fish tail when, you know, you say, you know, how big was the one that got away? And so it's 153, not meaning some kind of symbolism, but literally they get there and they get the net out and they, one, two, three, wow, 153? These are fishermen, it means something to them. They have three different words for fish. Eskimos are said to have a lot of different words for snow. In English, um, you know, English, English, British English. Um, There are a lot of different words for rain because, well, it rains a lot. There's drizzle, spitting, raining cats and dogs, etc. These guys are fishermen. It isn't just fish, it's fish. And and then there are fish. And then Andreas uh, Kostenberger, a great commentary on John's Gospel. If you want just to read one technical commentary on John's Gospel, I'd recommend the one by Andreas Kostenberger, he has this wonderful little detail here that reveals the meaning of this catching fish. Obviously, they were fishermen, and Jesus had called them to be fishers of men. So the idea of ministry and serving God and finding fulfillment is all over this story as they are going to be commissioned to serve God. We'll see more of that next week. But Kostenberger says... That in not one place, in any of the Gospels, do any of the disciples manage to ever successfully catch any fish without Jesus being with them. You see, when you have a true church, not a perfect church, but a a church which is biblical, that is a church that actually teaches the Bible, a place where the Bible is read, where they actually open the Bible. That kind of church, what happens? Lo and behold, you start catching fish. 
I cannot tell you how frustrating I find this. I talk with pastors sometimes about their situations in various churches and places and what's going on. And often I find they're looking for a magic cure, a silver bullet. And they have all these complicated solutions. They want to change stuff. They want to adopt the latest model of ministry. You know, ministry conferences, some of them can be a bit like fashion magazines. There's a, there's a new ministry model that comes out every three weeks or so, I think. And it's all a little bit of salesmanship. And then people get caught up in these uh, little movements that last a year or two. And then you have to debug their brains from all these odd ideas that some silver-tongued teacher has persuaded them if they just do X, Y, and Z. You know, you get a smoke machine on stage, that will bring them in. Giraffes, that will do it. You know, I joke, but really I've heard some things that are pretty close to that. No. What you need is Jesus... And you meet Jesus through his word. So you want to catch fish? Teach the Bible. From the scriptures, preach the gospel. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, there's a conference coming up at the church in a few weeks or so, uh, run by an organization called the Simeon Trust. Sign up for that and uh, learn how to teach the Bible. Now, this doesn't mean you all have to become pastors. Um, You'll understand me when I say praise God for that. Uh, It's been said many times, if you can do anything else than be a pastor, my advice to you uh, would be that you you do whatever else that is. I was told after the 8 o'clock service that one uh, one seminarian was advised by his uh, professor. He said, uh, the reason why you're called to be a pastor is because you're so bad at building shelves and whatever else, you know. If you, you only want to be a pastor if you are compelled by God to do it and you've just got to shepherd people. That's the point. I'm just joking in the point before. Why? Because as we'll see next week, a true shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That's part of the definition of a true shepherd. He sacrifices himself to care for the flock. So if God is not calling you to do it, I would say, don't do it. Now, don't get me wrong, it's a wonderful privilege. I love um, shepherding people. I love college church. But ministry is for all God's people, not just pastors. So you don't all have to become pastors, but there is a transformation, a progress that happens when you invest in a biblical church. You meet Jesus, and then you catch fish. So you move from success to significance. So do you want a sense of significance or purpose? Invest in the community of the church. And perhaps uh, you know, many of us are doing that here at College Church. Uh, maybe you're thinking, I, I'm just going to withdraw a little bit because I've been, I, I, I know some people here and they're not quite what I thought they were. People are people. And when you invest in the community of the church and love people, you will find that people are people. Church would be great, the old ministerial joke is, if it were not for all the people. 
Now, if you invest in the community of the church, you will get frustrated sometimes. You ever get frustrated by your family? You're going to get frustrated by church. It's a family. The only way not to get sometimes frustrated by your family is not to have a family. It's better to love and get hurt than never to love at all. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but you will move from success to significance. Life will now mean something. You'll start to catch fish. You'll be discipling people, loving people, serving people. You know the one you know what is the one thing that will last forever? People. So when you invest in the community of the church, that is the people of the church, you move from success to significance. You also move from prosperity to generosity. Now, money is not bad. It's a tool. We should not worship money, but money is not bad. It's a tool. Atheistic Marxism, atheistic Marxism says, make as much as you can and give it to the government. Atheistic capitalism says, atheistic capitalism says, make as much as you can and keep it for yourself. Christianity says, this is a John Wesley quotation, Make as much as you can. Save as much as you can. Give as much as you can. To he who much has been given, much is required. And money is something you can use to invest in eternity by investing in the people of the community of the church. College Church, we could be at 100% of budget by, I don't know, Monday of next week. And when you invest in the community of the church, you move from just having a lot of things to being generous and being big-hearted. My prediction is that the more you give, the more you will get, because then God can trust you to give. Closed fist, God cannot give you more. Open hands... He pours in more and more as you give to others. There's one more movement that comes as you catch fish, invest in the community of the church by loving people, serving people, and that is a movement from celebrity to legacy. Celebrity to legacy. Seems that uh, these days everyone wants to be famous, well at least a lot of people do. Uh, Andy Warhol's uh, prediction that in the future everyone will be famous for five minutes seems to have been fulfilled at least in the sense that everyone wants to be famous for five minutes. Reality TV, YouTube channels, X number of followers on Twitter. But that's all just a flash in the pan A moment here and then it's gone. Now let me ask you some questions that I think will make that clear for us. Who were the nominations for President of the United States last election cycle? Who had 
best-selling album in 2005. What was the best movie Oscar award 15 years ago? Or, who was the teacher, perhaps a Sunday school teacher or adult community teacher, who was the teacher who took time to explain to you the Bible when you thought you would never understand it? Who was the person who took time to encourage you when you felt like your life was so bad you were going to drown? Who was the pastor who shepherded you through that difficult situation? Who was the person who first told you about Jesus? Now, I can put faces to each of those questions, and probably many of us can here too. So which story are you going to tell your children, your friends? If you invest in the community of the church, you reach out to people, tell them about Christ, you become a kingdom person who wants to see church here and around the globe grow and flourish, you tell your neighbor about Jesus, you disciple and mentor and serve, get involved, you'll move from success to significance, from prosperity to generosity and from celebrity to legacy. So our question this morning is, why invest in the community of the church? And we find that John here reveals the answer to us. You will meet Jesus and you'll catch fish. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, I ask that you would reveal to us uh, yourself through your word in this uh, community. In a certain sense, Lord, you are especially present in the community of the church of your people. We are the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. And so I pray, Lord, that you would uh, shepherd your people this morning. Draw us together around a fire that we might meet you. And Lord, uh, win our hearts to invest in the community of the church that we might catch fish and find Significance, uh, generosity, legacy. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.